Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park We didn't necessarily start our parenting journey thinking we were going to have to help our children navigate their gender and sexual identity. There's help for these complex issues. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being here, and thanks for supporting our sponsors. How do you support your boys who have come out to the family, but were also outed at school, causing, as this mom wrote to us, great pain and borderline bullying? You know, when she sent us this question, Jen and I were like, we know exactly who we needed to talk with. Joe Langford is our guest today. He's a dad, a master's level therapist and sex educator for tweens, teens, and parents. And for the last 20 years, man, we're old, Joe. Last 20 years, he's worked in the intersection of adolescence, technology, and sexuality. He's the author of The Pride Guide and also Spare Me the Talks for both boy-identified and girl-identified youth. And we'll be talking about that today, I'm sure. Welcome, Joe. It's so good to have you back. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back. So you are one of the most staunchest advocates for LGBTQ youth. And you're also such a wise guide for parents who, you know, they may not have started out their parenting journey thinking that they were going to be navigating these issues. Help us. I am. I've been a big, you know, supporter of the LGBTQ plus everything else community for a really long time. And, you know, I work primarily with young people and their families. And for the most part, I really love how, you know, Gen Z is, is handling all this stuff. Like they, they are navigating it in ways that are, um, I think really positive and, and sometimes uh, the positive is harder to see. Uh, but this issue that you are bringing up is really concerning. Can you share the the, the background on it? I don't have a lot of background. That's pretty much all she oh, wrote to yeah. us. That was pretty much it. Just the concern at school being outed and some bullying, borderline bullying around that. And so her question was, how do I support my boys? Let's let's back up a little bit. Let's talk a little bit, uh, Joe. You know, you've been working in this area for the past 20 years, and there have been tremendous societal shifts over the last yeah. 20 years. I mean, when I was in high school, which was more than 20 years ago, it's fine. But I don't recall anybody 
coming out during high school. I had a friend who came out to me after we graduated. <clears throat> and even then that was a very private thing. And then I know young people today who are like, nobody even comes out anymore. Like you just, they're gay. Okay. You know, so there's, there's varying levels to this. Um, talk about this evolution and and what you're seeing and how young people are kind of living in this area where it's more acceptable and and yet it still feels like something maybe I need to tell people and maybe not everybody's safe. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I'm sure that there were queer people in my high school, like they were not out at the time in a public way, at least. Um, and even, I mean, we've got, you know, we got kind of ribbed deep into the 90s before that started being just like a, a thing that happened, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of the 90s that people were still like, it was okay, it was becoming okay, and people were fine with it, but you didn't like wear the t-shirt and go to school. And now, yeah, like, like kids for the most part really don't care. Um, you know, there's a couple of surprising things to me about this particular story, but we can get to that. But, um, you know, I think yeah for the most part kids just they they just be and they accept and they don't really mm -hmm. care and that's one of those not so positive things like in some ways they don't really understand like you know they have no idea about mm. the rights that they didn't used to have you know what i mean and how easy it is for them to be in like seventh grade and just identify as trans or non-binary or lesbian and how it wasn't that long ago where that just was not able to happen at all in a really safe way. And and the kids just are sort of blissfully unaware of this now, <laughs> which is, is lovely, but then also like it can be, I think, dangerous to them sometimes as well. I think that's such an important point. You know, we've talked about it in terms of uh, generally speaking, like boys and um, gender and so many young boys today don't realize that like, you know, it wasn't <clears throat> that long ago when, you know, their moms and grandmas couldn't get credit cards or that, right. when you know, girls were sort of looked down upon. And so our kids need us to provide a bit of historical context, partly so they can understand why other people have the reactions they have, including their elders, older family members. You know, I think media is a great way that we do this, right? We've done it ever since I think media was created, but like... You know, in the 60s, civil rights movements like television was a big, you know, push to like mm -hmm. get these ideas out to the public. And then cable TV and the internet came along in the 90s. And that helped a lot with LGBT stuff. Apps and, you know, TikTok and, and those kind of social media platforms have really helped with like this trans conversation that we're having. I'm really excited about that. But like going back in time for some stuff, like, you know, I watched over the over the quarantine you know, watching friends with our kids and, you know, lots of gay jokes and lots, you know, kind of questionable stuff that looking back in, in hindsight, my kids are like, what the hell did they watching? That, that 80s, is not okay. Watching 80s oh, yeah. teen movies now is like, Oh, no yeah. wonder we're messed <clears throat> up. Like we but were I had to explain, right? This. Like friends particularly i think was a great show for that like they went at it from a humorous place and the jokes don't land the same now that they did in 1994 or whatever but yeah. but they really i think powered that conversation like yeah we wouldn't be having the conversations about lgbtq populations that we are right now if it wasn't for that show friends and they did a lot of positives with some of those jokes that are a little bit like squeaky right now but at the time they got people thinking 
and opening and talking, right? And so that context, I think, with kids is really important because I think things get lost along the way when they don't mm-hmm. kind of understand that. Like, you know, I would say one of the things, one of the big rules in dealing with like queer people is you never out someone like that is never okay that is someone else's choice to make like you do not out anyone else period full stop right yeah um and you know maybe with all this like comfort that kids are having like that idea just kind of got lost along the way Mm -hmm. because they do just talk about it Mm -hmm. they don't really care people say i am i'm not maybe i am they don't you know what I mean? They don't have to like yeah. come out in this like pronounced way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that vibe has gotten lost or something like that, but I still think it should be in play. <laughs> you should yeah. not be outing anyone without their consent. Mm-hmm. This, You know, this is a really good uh, and interesting point because as we know, it's 2023 and gay marriage is legal all throughout the States and we've come a long ways. And at the same time, we know that, you know, there are varying levels of acceptance, varying levels of of tolerance, various uh, levels of legal protection, if we're being very frank right now. So what is happening in some schools and what is happening in other schools can be very different. I think we need to acknowledge that there are some places that are very welcoming spaces and others that really are not at this point. I agree. And so when we talk about, um, you know, Joe, your point is fantastic. Like other kids, they may not realize that they're outing somebody. They may not realize like, oh, wait, you thought other people didn't know this yet? Like we weren't talking about this. That's one possible dynamic. And I mean, we've all worked with kids for a long time. Kids can be brutal. It is very Mm -hmm. possible that somebody shared information intending to harm somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I I, would like to think, I hope in this story that it was like an unintentional, like, oh, are we not talking about this out loud yet? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of thing that happened uh, with the kids. But yeah, I mean, it, it's that's so, you know, that's what I was saying earlier, like, they don't understand like how, how vulnerable of a thing that used to be and still can be now. Mm-hmm. And it can really be, you know, weaponized and, and used against you in certain situations. The other thing that kind of struck me by that story was that there was like resultant bullying, like that they were outed at school and then like kids mm-hmm. jumped on the train and like started bullying them. And and yeah. that, I mean, it still obviously happens. Like, you know, there's a good chance that's going to happen for the rest of time. And, you know, depending on where you are and mm-hmm. where you live and the culture in your school or your family or whatever, like the degree of bullying can vary, but it definitely still happens. But it is not anything nearly like it was in like yeah you know, two, 2008 or whatever well and she did say in her email that it was borderline bullying for the younger son who's 11 so we're talking completely immature newly tweens and so there is that place of not accepting like we would hope they would be so right. how do we how do we support this mom what is how does this mom support her sons in this dynamic well, you know, I th- I think like in, in the Pride Guide book, like, you know, I have a whole section in the back that's just for parents. And in there, I kind of talk about like that. It's it's our job as parents, especially um, with queer kids, is to obviously, you know, protect our kids. And and part of doing that with a queer kid is is letting them know, like, 
there's places and times and things out there that are more dangerous to you than they are to other people, right? Like you might not necessarily be able to like get off the airplane with your partner and hold hands and walk through an airport in a particular city. Like mm -hmm. that may not be a good idea for you, right? And just kind of giving them that context, like again, like I said, like young people don't necessarily understand, right? I mean, we do that with all of our kids, right? Like, right. Um, don't put the knives in the dishwasher pointing sharp part up, <laughs> sharp part down, you know, that kind of stuff. Like kids don't necessarily think is, ahead, but. This is uh, to me very parallel to, you know, the talk that mm -hmm. black parents have with their kids explicitly yeah. saying, listen, your experiences with the cops may be different. Will likely, this is what you need to know. And it's a different conversation. It is. Than I have had with my white boy children. Yeah. And, you know, and it's even it's more complicated than that, too, because most black kids have black parents and families. Yeah. Right. Most yeah, yeah. queer kids have straight parents. Good distinction. Uh, that's, yeah. It's not a 100 percent anymore. Like, you know, things are changing and, and, and adoption and surrogates and all that kind of stuff is in play now in a really nice way. But for the most part, still LGBTQ plus kids have non-LGBTQ plus parents often. And so it's hard. And when I deal with parents, you know, I kind of say like, you have to, you're part of the culture now. Anyway, you, you, you didn't have any practice of it growing up, coming of age, getting married, being an adult. But now that you have a queer kid, you are in the queer community and you have to act accordingly. And it's, you know, it's our job as parents to, you know, understand the history and create some traditions and you know support the art and the and the and the companies and and kind of jump into that culture with your kid and part of that sex ed conversation um the safety conversations that's all kind of wrapped mm -hmm. up in that right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and your books spare me the talks i'm assuming go into these in detail for and you have two separate books i want to make that super clear there's the girl identified book and the boy identified book you've just newly re-edited them, added more, updated them. So I really want our listeners to be aware that you've got this incredible resource available to them. Tell us more about those books. Spare Me the Talks, great resource from Joe. Stay tuned after these messages from our sponsors to learn more about them and how they can support you. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only US-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B Y h-e-a-r-t dot com slash podcast and it is 10% off your first order byheart.com slash podcast this is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply
One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. So Spare Me the Tuck was the first book that I wrote, and it was for boys. You know, at the time, there, were, there weren't any, like, puberty safety, online safety, personal safety, what's happening to my body books that were just for boys. So it was the first one in print. There's a couple more out there now. Um, and got good feedback. One of the big feedbacks was you should write a book, for write girls. this for girls. <laughs> and I said, the girls have 800,000 books already, but Okay, that's fine, right? But they don't so, have a Joe Langford angled version of so it. It is, I think still now, it's the only book of that type for girls written by a dude. Um, but I had this armada of amazing women that sort of were with me the whole time, giving me feedback and making sure I wasn't standing like a jerk. Um, and it, it's great. And so, uh, But I got a new publisher now and I just went through a big rewrite, um, awesome, gorgeous third editions of the books, um, really excited about it. And one of the things that I'm mostly excited, um, I definitely, you know, like I said, the LGBTQ issues, like that's a big value of mine. So those were peppered all through the original books anyway, but I, I took it another level with this new publisher and really expanded the language. So instead of just like the boy book and the girl book, um, it's, it's really girl identified people, boy identified people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even in the, in the boy book or the girl book, you know, I say if, if you identify as a girl and you happen to have testicles, here's some things that you need to know. 
right? Mm -hmm. If you are a boy and you also happen to get your period, like these are things that you need to know about mm -hmm. and how you handle those kinds of things. So I'm pretty, it's much more inclusive than uh, they were pretty binaried the first edition. So mm -hmm. um, I'm really kind of proud of that stuff. And a lot more things that have come up since, you know, they were originally written 2016, <laughs> right? Which yeah, a lot's changed. like a million years ago, so many things have happened. And so, you know, talking about uh, talking about fentanyl, right? Uh, oh. Talking about being pulled over by the police. That there's lots of topics in there that kind of we weren't really talking about so much in 2016. Uh, you know, cancel culture. So talking, you know, I talk a lot about like calling people in versus calling people out. Um, you know, when you have an issue and it may be really easy to just slam them on Instagram and ruin their life for a while. But the kinder, generous thing is to how do you have conversations with people and try to affect change before just kind of salting the earth. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, talking about that kind of stuff, how to handle overdoses if you're at a party, you know, that that kind of stuff. It's anxiety, depression, you know, all that wow. stuff is up now. Active sounds shooters. Like, oh, gosh. Sounds like that book should be like a thousand pages long. I've seen it. It's not quite that long, parents, so don't be intimidated. But <laughs> it did get got, a little thicker than the last a little version. Thicker. But. Yeah. Well, and it's great because there are, obviously, I don't know all the books out in the world, believe it or not, listeners, but there are not a lot of books that like this deals with, you know, male puberty and it applies to trans. Like there's, you usually need different books. No, just here's a book. Here's a book. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Joe, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to confess that I'm a baby boomer here. You know, I'm of that generation and I'm watching my, uh, a family member who was the uh, grandparent to a born a girl now is in high school. See, I don't even know the language. And that's, and that's part of the question because my family member and I have talked, my fellow boom baby boomer family member and I have talked about this and, and it's so like, we get kind of uh, stilted and we worry, like, we're going to say it the wrong way. And we're not, you know, we don't want to, we're totally welcoming to this person. And we feel uh, a little like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so there's that piece. And then there's also the, so this girl born now, she's now there in high school. See, I can't even do it. They're in high school and they're non-binary. And part of the family's kind of like, oh, it's going to, it's just a phase. It's going to change. And, and, and part of the family's <laughs> like, and this is what's happening right now. And here we are, embrace this person. Talk to, talk to us baby boomers out there. And, <laughs> and all of us who feel a little still uncomfortable with the they, them pronoun, just like help us out. Okay, sure. I would love to do that. <laughs> so one, I, I love that you're even just like, just that you're thinking about it and talking about it is fantastic, right? It's okay to screw it up. Um, you know, when I talk to parents, when I talk to like kids I'm working with as well, I have to explain to them again, right? Like, this is easy for you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, this is something that you just have had all your lives and you're used to it and you talk about it with your friends at school and it's easy for you. And you know, we have been having this conversation about trans people in an active way, like out loud in 
in the public arena for 15 minutes, right? <laughs> like, yeah, right? Like it, it is, it's a big, complicated Rubik's Cube. <clears throat> and for people who have been around a while and they've lived a whole life, and now we're asking them to like turn their brains at a different angle and think about this in a, in a very different way, it's hard, right? And so I, I'm, I try to explain that to kids. I do think that they should not have to be responsible for educating everybody in their worlds mm -hmm. about their experience, right? Like that's not necessarily fair. And right now in terms of our cultural conversation that we're having, I think sometimes it is unfortunately going to be their job to do that. But there's also books like The Pride Guide that can help. And so I think the the deal with that kind of, you know, how to say the right thing is honestly the best thing to do is just ask them, right? And just say, I'm, you know, gay for you. I'm super excited. I'm totally on board. I don't want to mess this up, but this is new for me. How do you identify? Tell me the words to use. How do I think about this? And what do you want me to say when I, I talk to interrupt. you? I talk about you. I want to interrupt <clears throat> for one minute here. Because one of the challenges with that, practically speaking, logistically speaking, for a lot of families is around the time that kids are, uh, you know, discovering and sharing their identities. Often they're in those like tween teen years when uh, they're often pulling away from family members, especially like, you know, the family members you don't see that often, right? And so, uh, so often like these are the kids that when you see them at a family reunion or a family event, like they don't want to really even look at you anyway. And so I find it hard to, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you've got this, this human and their whole body mm. language is saying, my parents made me be here mm -hmm. and I want to be, we want to be inclusive and welcoming and not invasive and sit down and be like, hello, what pronouns are we using? Uh, that would be the way to do it, but it does, I guess, depend on the situation. Like you wouldn't just like go up to somebody in a coffee shop and do that. And, and if it was like, you know, the, you know, the 12 year old nephew that you haven't seen for five years, like they don't want you to do that at the family reunion. But it, generally speaking, and I think from the, I'm kind of talking more like from the other side. So okay. as like, so that nephew's parents, right, should probably like give a little bit of coaching. If there's some some mm. sort of obvious change that people are going to notice at Thanksgiving or whatever, to be able to give a heads up and say, this is what's going on with this kid. And then- Wait, can you also help us with this language? So nephew and niece are the terms that we have commonly and traditionally used. Yep. And, uh, you know, when you've referred to somebody as my niece or my nephew for 10 years or more, and now you're like, okay, they're they're non-binary. I can go with that. I've heard nibbling, but I don't think that's super well used. Like what kind of, where are we at with terminology? We are um, messing around with terminology right now. There's not, Perfect. there's a couple of those things that are not, uh, have not been really kind of cleanly delineated. So okay. in, in a situation like that, if you have someone who you have called your niece for a really long time, who was identified female at birth is how we say it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then now is either not identifying that way or is identifying in some other way specifically, then I would just not use the word niece. I would say my sister's kid, um, yeah. you know, something like that rather than my niece. Use um, the person's name. Yeah. Although yeah, yeah. sometimes that yeah. also has changed. So there's that. Another yes. level to get used to. Yeah. And it's really, you know, it's 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 okay to screw it up, 
right? Like with name changes and all that kind of stuff, like it's, it's hard to keep track of things, especially if you've got years and years of practicing calling somebody by a certain name or mm -hmm. whatever. It, when you screw it up, just acknowledge it and say, damn it, I'm so sorry. Like I got it right four times in a row and then I flubbed it. And I'm, I just let them know that you noticed it, that you're trying and then do it better next time. Mm -hmm. um, most, in my experience, most trans people are are pretty forgiving if if, if people look like they're making an effort, right? Mm -hmm. If people are, don't look like they're making an effort, like it's actually really hateful and hurtful. And so is the phase word. So I would just say for your family, like if you've got family members who are using the phase, the word phase, like uh. shut it down. Like that is not, <laughs> don't say phase. Um, even Good. if they think it is, or they're pretty sure it is, just don't say it. I just remember as a teenager, straight up as a teenager, white, female, and straight, and I stuck with those things all along, there was nothing that made me more upset than my parents suggesting something was a phase. Come right. on, this is like, mm. it, it seems demeaning, it seems whatever. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, were they right about a lot of it? Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> but it doesn't feel that way when you're a teenager. No, it doesn't. And the biggest thing we need to be doing with all of our kids is really forging relationships and trying to build connections and being a safe person as much as possible. And, you know, and things like if it is like a hair color or a boy band or how high, like we're wearing our socks now, like those things can be phases, right? But that's different than your like core identity. Like, yeah, of, who you are. Like, white, straight, female, right? Like yeah. that's not, and people get to change, right? And, and the, the reality is that they've always been around, right? Like, you know, we were talking about like when we were in high school, like they, they weren't saying anything. We couldn't tell by looking at them, but they were there and mm -hmm. they were with us and they mm -hmm. had to shut up and orphan themselves and and wear beige and try to blend, right? Yeah. And kids just aren't putting up with that anymore. They don't have to do that. There's lots of options. And sometimes picking this pronoun or picking this identity can help them test waters and try things out and figure out where they're eventually going to land. And so I guess you could technically say sometimes that might be a phase, but it's really, it, that's so demeaning to say that yeah. to somebody, right? Like I think of it more as like a stepping stone or part of their evolution. Maturing. Right? Stepping stone. It's, I like that. It's their that. job description to try yeah. stuff out. And sometimes that's hair color and sometimes it's pronouns. Yeah. Let's bring this back a little bit and kind of relate it to our <laughs> opening question. You have a kid and a kid has, uh, you know, an identity, something very important about them that perhaps they have shared with you. Maybe they haven't shared it outside the family yet. And then maybe there are people say at school who are ridiculing or making fun or, you know, deliberately using um, the wrong language in an attempt to hurt. Maybe there are other people in the family doing that. As a parent, there's all these levels of, I want to protect my kid. And do I, how much do I intercede in the world beyond? At what point do I call a school? At what point do I reach out to other parents? That depends, right? So it really has a lot to do with, with where you are and 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 the, the level to which this stuff is happening, right? Like if grandma is just saying terrible things at Thanksgiving, like you need to shut grandma down, right? And and do like a, a hard line, <laughs> like you need to stop saying the words you're saying, or you need to leave, right? And you mm -hmm. just need to 
be yeah. really clear, right? If it's something else, you know, or, or, you know, if a kid is older, then giving them coaching, standing beside, behind them and saying, I will be right here and you can go have that conversation with your college professor or whatever. But with these kids' ages, I would say, you know, lots of times in middle school still, like you have relationships with their peers' parents. Mm -hmm. Like if you know the kid, if you know the family, if you know the parents, then going and saying, hey, this thing happened, we need to sort this out because it's not okay. Um, might be the most humane thing to do. But honestly, if that mom had reached out to me, I would say you need to talk to the school immediately. Mm. One to, you know, do something like a an assembly and saying, by the way, this is our value about this. This is how you handle it. Mm -hmm. You don't out people, right? And then shut the bullying down. Um, you know, no, no school now wants to be like that school that lets the queer kid get bullied. Uh, and so bringing it to the school's attention and letting them know that it happened, I think is really important. In terms of specifically that, like making fun of someone because they are gay, for example, right, will fall now into the, the category of like sexual harassment, mm -hmm. right? And so no schools don't want to have problems of that in their school, right? The school should be motivated to to shut it down. Um, and if it's not for some reason, you know, I mean, that that does also still happen these days, you know, especially, you know, we've got some really terrible things happening in Texas. We've got some awful things mm -hmm. happening in Florida. Um, there's like 14 other states that are putting in this, like, don't say gay stuff, trying to anyway, into their legislatures. Like, you know, if, if the school really isn't responding, then then that means a, a bigger conversation and maybe some hard choices for, yeah. for your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a family from Texas call me a few weeks ago and just, you know, I sat with these parents for a while and they were just like crying and just heartbroken. They have a, a young trans kid. They live in this little town in Texas and they're like, they're not safe here. What, what do we do? Right. Mm -hmm. Like we think mm -hmm. we have to move. We have to leave this place that we grew up in because mm -hmm. our kid isn't safe and and I, I didn't have any other options like I yeah. was just like yeah, that might you know based on what you're telling me like that may be what needs to happen and they mm -hmm. were just gutted I just sat with them and let them just like cry and be vulnerable with me like it was awful awful is cannabis legal in your state or your country find out how to talk to kids about pot after these messages from our sponsor I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month. 
and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. Speaking of states, brings me to this next question that as I was looking at your website, Joe, I thought, oh man, Jen and I have never actually, I don't think, specifically talked about pot. You've got, you know, resources on your website and we'll put all that in the show notes, but I don't think we've specifically talked about it. And I am a family coach and this comes up often. And we know pot is legal in many states now, Oregon being one of them, Washington, where you live, tween teen boys, like, this is fine. This is not going to hurt me. This isn't doing anything to my brain. I'm fine. Talk to us about pot use and how parents can navigate this thing that maybe they actually also use pot. So it's a it's a little bit of like, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of situation. Right. Um, ah, <clears throat> help us. I think we were pretty lucky in Washington. Um, I, it was legalized here. And I think we were the second state or maybe the third state. I think Colorado was the first one. Colorado and, was the first. And then I think it went really sideways. <laughs> there were lots of hospitalizations and they... We, I think Washington got the benefit of learning from their mistakes. And so mm-hmm. in Washington, everything is portioned out. So all the gummies, all the little things you can buy, 
are 10 milligrams. And even like if you buy a brownie, it's cut into little portions. So it's all I 10 think we milligrams. need to clarify so. for those of us who don't live. I'm in Wisconsin. It is not legal here yet for anything, even though all the states around us are. And I mean, you could make a purely economic case that we're losing a ton of money. But it's not officially legal for kids, right? Right. It's, it is not legal for kids. So even in places where, you know, recreational marijuana is legal, it's not legal for kids. However, as we all know, that has never stopped a child in the history of the world. Right. And so what was happening in Colorado is they like there would just be a brownie and like kids would get their hands on it somehow. And then they would like eat it by themselves or with a friend. And it's, and it's like, that's not what you do. You share your brownie with eight of your closest <laughs> friends because there's a lot of marijuana in that brownie. Or sure. there'd be just like a bag of gummies that okay. little kids could find that just looked like candy. So in Washington, there's like, the gummies are bigger and they're all in separate individual packages. So, so portion control to try control. and minimize the, the chance of inadvertent harm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I and I think that that's gone really well. Um, the kids still want to get it and seek it out and try to get their hands on it. Right. But the accidental stuff, I think, is not as bad in Washington as it has been in for other places. And um, and kids are still, you know, trying to get their hands on it. So the conversations and this is not my specific wheelhouse, but like you, I deal with it on a pretty regular basis. In Washington State, like in, amongst professionals, like the conversation, we're trying to separate it out. So we talk about alcohol, and we talk about drugs, and we talk about marijuana. Whereas mm -hmm. with uh, you know, it used to be just marijuana was just folded into the drug conversation. Right. Uh, but it's a different creature, and and it's legal now. And so, for the most part, when I'm talking to kids, I I talk about it. I just put almost anything with marijuana. You can just put it in the same category as like wine. Right. Mm -hmm. It's for grownups. It's for occasions. Drink wine every day. You don't drink wine before school. You don't drink wine if you have a big presentation in the morning. You don't, you know, drink seven glasses of wine. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. I mean, some people do, obviously, but like I'm like, Joe, you're not speaking, living in Wisconsin, are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, for healthy, like normative adult consumption, that is what it is. And then really emphasizing it's adult consumption, right? Like it's it's not it's not for kids. But Tell kids that to a ninth grader, Joe. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Every every teenager drank, is kids always will. It's just giving them the information that they need. Like those things, you know, when kids drink at parties, you know, it, it helps for them to understand, like, you know, a drink of whiskey, for example, is like this much whiskey in a glass you don't fill the glass like it's orange juice and drink whiskey like that's not gonna end well for anyone right when grown-ups go out for a beer with their friends they have a beer or two but kids go to a party and they have five right so it's just it's a different creature and so same thing with marijuana like if you're gonna use marijuana like this is what you need to know um this is what you need to know what signs of overdose are this is how you handle that you don't eat the whole brownie yourself. You share it with friends. You know, like the, those kinds of like a harm reduction, I think is is mm -hmm. kind of the key. Because mm -hmm. kids are always going to get their hands on it. They're always going to be curious. Kids will always drink, or at least a portion of kids, right? And then even then, you know, that conversation, reminding kids that like the bulk majority of kids are not drinking, are not using pot. But 
they don't go around saying, I didn't drink last night, right? Uh, right. But the ones who did do. And so it feels to kids like a lot more people mm-hmm. are drinking or smoking pots or whatever than they actually are. And so showing them the actual like math and statistics on it is really helpful to help them keep that in perspective. Yeah. Um, because they just see the trees, they, they don't understand the forest, right? So in general, yeah. I think that's kind of how people are sort of mm-hmm. coming at it in Washington. At least that's kind of what I'm doing. Families that I work with are, you know, the son is 14. And one family I'm thinking about in particular, the, as solo mom. So she's kind of losing her ground with this boy anyway and he's coming into his full power and he's smoking pot anytime he wants to in the house and I mean the age-old question do you let him drink alcohol at home or smoke pot at home it's that place of I function better I feel better I you know I'm in I am going to smoke pot before school and after school and on the weekend and you can't make me stop well that part at the end there is like a different conversation that's a Mm -hmm. that's a parenting issue right Mm -hmm. the other the uh, the rest of it is more of an educational issue i think because Mm -hmm. the reality is there are lots of health benefits to Mm -hmm. marijuana right like there's you know everything from like from your heart to your your brain like there's there's really there's a lot of positives in it right so it's different than other drugs and even alcohol in a lot of ways. Um, for the most part, a lot of the benefits of it are actually, it's the CBD in it, not the THC. It's not the part mm-hmm. that gets you high. It's the other stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of Gen Z, I have a lot of empathy, right? They are the most anxious cohort that has ever lived on this planet. And I think my grandparents used to like hide under their desks because of the atom bomb or something like you know what I mean like (laughs) hand raised um, here Dan it's like I did that Uh under the desk how messed up is that that must have been terrifying but like but these kids you know with shooter drills and like I've got kids who say they think about it every day right it's the number one cause of death in America right now for for teenagers is gun violence right it's awful. The planet is terrible. The grownups are, don't look like they're doing anything about it. Like Gen Z is paying attention in a way that no generation that age has ever done before. They see everything. They know what's going on. They know how bad the situation is. And they don't have the experience that anyone is going to help them. If anything is going to be done about it, it's got to be up to them to do it themselves. And that sucks, right? Anxiety is through the roof. Depression is through the roof. And so, yes, there's things you can do that can help that. And honestly, CBD is one of them, but it's not the part that gets you high, right? Like you can go to a doctor and you can get a prescription and you can get CBD and you don't have to smoke it. You can get a lotion. You can get a a pill or a chewable gummy that will help you and it won't get you high, but it will help you with some of your anxiety, some of your stress, some of your physical pain, maybe. And so they hate hearing that part because they're sort of like hoping to get the high part, right? Right. Um, But, you know, there's ways to do that. You can like steal it from your parents or you can get a prescription from a doctor, right? Or you can just go to the pharmacy in the corner and get CBD lotion and rub that on your knee instead. You know what I mean? So they they don't like to hear that. They I think they still are trying to use it sometimes as an excuse to get high and my parents won't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I, I disappoint them a lot with that kind of stuff. But the I'm going to do it and you can't make me stop. Like that's a parenting issue. Like exactly. that's, that's yeah. a whole different creature yes. there. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You know, parents, I hope that you are hearing, there's three of us here who have extensive parenting experience, who've been around for a long time, who've worked with a lot of families, who stay up on a lot of stuff. And we're going, this isn't easy. Like <sighs> if we had do this, and you're not going to have to deal with this problem. Like do this and your kids are not going to, you know, smoke or use pot and go overboard and you're not going to have <laughs> conflict. We would tell you, you know, if we had an easy solution for how to support your kids or how to never say the wrong thing um, to a queer kid, we would tell you it's not right. easy. And that's a good thing though, right? Like I, yeah. I was talking to a group of parents a couple of weeks ago in the UK and I was just saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Parenting right now is complicated. Um, but that's a really good thing, right? Because kids are doing all the same crap that they've always done. Mm -hmm. Kids have always smoked pot. Queer kids have always been around in school and there's always been bullying. Some of this stuff is a little more vivid now, but part of the issue is that we're just talking about it now, right? Yeah. Parents in the eighties, they didn't talk about pot. They didn't talk right. about, are you gay? They didn't talk about bullying. They didn't talk right? about it if you were getting bullied at school. You're right. So the fact that this is here's on a our sandwich. Radar. I'll see you at dinner, right? Like yeah. they, there was nothing. There was no conversation, right? We're talking about the stuff now, and and that's a really good thing. But it does make the job harder, right? We could we could not talk about it, and our lives would be a lot easier. But how much does that suck for the kids? Well, and right? this is where I think this is my personal view. I think it is helpful when we do admit, hey, this is hard for me. Or I'm struggling with this in my family because you are so not the only person who is worried about your kid using pot. Like, sorry, that does not mean you're a bad parent. And we we hold on to these stereotypes. And so we keep it to ourselves often. Let's talk about these things because parents, nobody's really coming to support us either. We have to support each other. And we, you know, Janet, Joe, Jen, I love all the J's, uh, you know, we are here to support you. but. Absolutely. We got to do this together. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Like this is really the first cohort of parents that have really on mass said, we're going to talk about this stuff, right? We're yeah. going to write books about this stuff. We're going to read books about this stuff. We're going to like listen to podcasts about this stuff. I want to be that active parent. We're the first generation of parents to do that. Gen Z is the first generation who has parents who do that, right? Mm -hmm. The millennials that came before them, like their parents didn't. <laughs> did not yeah. <laughs> have these conversations right um and the internet is a kicker right that that's a new thing that we have to deal with that no one's had to do before but the things that kids are doing on the internet is the same stuff they've always done they're just they're doing it on the internet now instead of in real life so mm -hmm. the conversations aren't that different you know what i mean but part of it is just about awareness and educating ourselves and and reaching out to each other, asking for help when we need it. And just like you said, not feeling alone, right? Mm -hmm. That thing you're worried about with your kid, other people are worrying too. That that thing you found in their browser history, other people have found that too. There's nothing unique about it, right? And yeah. if we talk to each other and have these conversations, we can find that common ground and support each other. Because 
It is hard. It is hard. And you've given us so many good books, so many resources. You are part of the conversation that we have needed to have for so long. So um, tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, Sure. My website is uh, beheroes.net. So that's got lots of information about me and ways to find the books. And, um, and, you know, I, I travel around all over the place talking to groups of parents and other professionals. Um, the books are anywhere that you find books. Um, you know, I really like, you know, obviously Amazon, uh, bookshop. Bookshop. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can uh, oh. buy ind- from independent sellers, find whatever you want. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's like Amazon, but they like, but they source the books from little independent bookstores around the country. It's like wonderful. So a- anywhere you get books, you can find them. Um, I will say on Amazon, uh, Amazon is like a stickler. They don't get rid of books that aren't in print anymore. So if you do feel like checking out the Spare Me the Talk series, look for the third editions um, okay. that are out. So get the new ones, not, not the other ones. It, yeah. it can be a little confusing. And for some reason, Amazon won't take the other ones out. So I'm really excited and proud about these new editions. So I really appreciate the opportunity to get the word out a little bit. Well, we so appreciate what you do, your expertise in the world, your warm heart. So good to have you back on the podcast, Joe. Thank you. That's very kind. And I love, it's so easy talking with you guys. I love this stuff. So (laughs) Awesome. We hope you found this episode valuable and we so thank Joe Langford for the work he's doing in the world. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being our listeners and thank you for supporting our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.